I just want to apologize if I sound a little hoarse in this episode. I know that in most of the episodes, my voice usually sounds like maybe I have a cold or I'm recovering or sore throat, something like that. I know I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to explain. Um, please look out for the newsletter I'm sending on the 7th of February. I'm going to be explaining why my voice usually sounds funny and also why sometimes I say I can't record because I'm under the weather. I'm going to be explaining what's up with me. And I also have a testimony that I want to share. So please, yeah, look out for that newsletter. I'm certain it would bless you, encourage you and, you know, yeah. But for now, let's get into today's episode. Hi guys, welcome to a new episode of Big Sister Conversations, a show for people who want to grow in their faith, make better choices and strengthen their relationships. I'm your host Enola. When I was younger, I wanted to date a bad boy. I'm talking about the kind of guy that wears black from head to toe, wears ripped jeans, has tattoos everywhere, is probably rude to everybody but sweet to me. Then, as I started to meet such guys, I realized that there's something usually wrong with them. Some of them are really violent or addicted to alcohol or drugs, or they just have an attitude problem. Some of them, if you're not even careful, they're probably going to land in prison. Then I realized, you know what, I'm not built for stress. Bad boy, bye-bye. My spec has changed. I want a good man. And I found that I'm not the only person that wants a good partner. Nobody wants to be stressed in this life. But in today's episode, we are going to be examining what the standard for the right partner is for the believer. Is it just enough that they are a good person or should we have a higher standard when we are trying to choose a partner? That is what we will be talking about today. But before we get into the conversation fully, please subscribe to the podcast so that you can find it again when you want to listen. You can also subscribe to my newsletter to become a part of the community. I send encouraging and personal emails every month to keep you hopeful and inspired. You can find the link in the show notes. On to my favorite part of the episode. It's social media shout out time. Today's shout out goes to Tehila CA. I'm just going to read her review. I've learned a lot from your podcast and the energy you put into it. I have pretty much listened to 98% of your episodes and I was blessed every time. Thank you for giving yourself for God's use. Thank you so much, Dehila. What a beautiful review. Thank you. You're such an OG. You've listened to 98%. Wow. Thank you so much. You guys, please don't forget to rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you enjoy the podcast and also share with your friends. I did a Google search on identifying a good man and a few interesting pages popped up. According to your tango, here are 10 signs of a good man you should look for in any guy you meet. 1. A good man will never pick apart your looks. 2. A good man will never invade your privacy. Three. A good man will never discourage you. 4. A good man will recognize your value. He will not make you feel the need to prove it to him. 5. A good man will never make you feel like an afterthought. 6. A good man will never make you feel like you are alone in the relationship. 7. A good man will never cheat on you. 8. A good man will never disrespect you. 9. A good man will never avoid important conversations. And 10, a good man will never ever abuse you.
these attributes sound good. I mean, if you have your partner who will pay attention to you, who won't cheat on you, who won't abuse you, I mean, it sounds like you have a keeper already. Because the chances of your relationship succeeding if you're dating this kind of person is pretty high. If you have this kind of partner, please hold on to them tightly. The streets are bloody. But the thing is, for the Christian, are these attributes enough? Like, let's say you meet someone who ticks all these boxes. Is it enough to say that you have found a suitable partner? Well, that's what we're going to be examining today. Now, if you are a Christian, right, the standard for you is not just good. The standard is godly. So even though you might meet somebody that fits into all these boxes, somebody that has all these beautiful attributes, it's a very beautiful thing. But for you, the standard is much higher. What you should be on the lookout for is a godly man and not a good man. Hold on. I'm not saying that you should date somebody that is godly or bad. Let me, I think maybe for the sake of this episode, let's just have a working definition for good and godly. So a good man. A good man is a good person who interacts well with others. He treats them well and upholds basic moral values. That's a good man or a good woman. Then on the other hand, a godly person is someone who is saved, someone who submits to the leadership of Christ and exhibits the fruit of the Spirit. So for the sake of this episode, those are definitions. When I say that your standard should be a godly man and not a good man, this is what I mean. You don't just want somebody with good character traits or attributes, which is very, very essential, but it's not the biggest priority. Your priority should be that the person is saved. Because if the person is saved and the person is submitted to the Lordship of Jesus and the person exhibits the fruit of the Spirit, then by implication, it means the person will be good. Not all good men are godly, but all godly men are good. Now, the word godly here doesn't just mean a Christian. The person must be saved and the person must not just know Jesus as Savior, but also as Lord. Meaning, the person subscribes to what is in the Bible. The person obeys God. The person exhibits the fruit of the Spirit. You don't want to be with somebody who is saying that they are a Christian publicly, but their life doesn't match what they profess. You don't want to be with somebody who is saved but the person is just maybe new to the faith or the person is not taking the faith seriously. That is not a godly person. A godly person is someone who is submitted to the leadership of Christ and exhibits the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, kindness. Basically, all these good things. The Bible says, against such things, there is no law. Meaning these are good attributes. So a godly man is a good man, but a good man may not necessarily be godly. And so as a Christian, your standard is godly because think of it, it's like the best of both worlds for you. Somebody who is not a believer can be with a good man. That's good. But you, you can be with a good man and a man who is saved. Trust me, that's the best part of it for you. Now, why is it important to be with a godly person? Why is good not just enough? Well, well, if you're a believer, right, your faith regulates and determines your conduct, your actions, your thoughts, your motivations, your lifestyle. You need to be with someone who subscribes to your faith because you have a moral standard. You already have a moral compass defined for you by God and you want to be with someone who has that exact moral compass. The thing with goodness is that it can be subjective. A good person may be motivated by I don't know. In some cases, they may be motivated by what they believe is for the greater good, but it's against what God stands for. 
let's use abortion as an example. Let's assume you have a good man and a godly man. A good man would say that, oh, if the mother, maybe not all good men, but some good people may say that if the mother cannot afford to take care of the child, then it's okay for her to abort the baby. But a godly man knows whether the mother can afford to take care of the child or the mother cannot afford to take care of the child. God's word is clear. Abortion is wrong. An alternative may be to give the child up for adoption or seek support or something. That's not the conversation for today. But what I'm saying is that a good person, the person's moral compass is not defined by God. And in some instances, what they claim is good might actually be opposing what God says is good. And you don't want to be with someone, even though the person is good, but the person's beliefs or ideologies are in direct contrast to what God has said. Another reason why you should want a godly man over a good man is also for the sake of unity. So you don't want to be with someone whose moral compass is decided by something outside of God while yours is defined by God because you'd have issues where you're trying to agree on some things and relationships already come with conflict because there are two different people coming together to build a life. So there's bound to be conflict. You don't want to go into a relationship where the chances for conflict are even increased because you guys are different people. So maybe you might want to say, okay, as a believer, I believe in tithing, in that, you know, it's a statement of honor for God. But a good person does not believe in God. The person does not believe in tithing. You have a problem there. Or maybe for you, Sundays are meant for church and the person thinks Sundays are meant for self-care. I just want to stay at home and sleep. In such an instance, right, you guys may have issues. Or even in raising your children, are you going to go to church or are you going to stay at home? Or what if the person is even of a different religion altogether? How are you going to bring up your kids? So that's what I'm trying to say here, that for the sake of unity, you need somebody that is godly. The Bible says, can two work together unless they are agreed? No. And the only way to achieve unity is if both of you are godly. Because God is both your father. And the Holy Spirit both leads and guides both of you. So you are of the same cloth. You are the same material. And so it's easier for you guys to build a family together and to have a relationship that works. Another reason to pick a godly partner is for the sake of your future family. I already mentioned this. I've noticed that kids that are born into families where maybe one partner, maybe the father is a Christian and the mother is not a Christian or vice versa. Such kids, they are usually tilting towards unbelief. When you have a family where they are not strong believers, sometimes it's a bit difficult for the kids to become believers. So if you want to set your children up for success in, in, in that in eternal success, then you have to ensure that the partner you're picking is somebody that can help you build a godly home because the environment you create is most likely going to determine how your kids would grow up. So for the sake of your future family, if you want to have kids that are Christians, then you have to ensure that your partner is saved, your partner is godly. If you want to raise good kids, if you want to raise, you know, kids that kids that glorify God with their lives, then ensure that the person you're doing it with is godly. See, this is why it's not enough to pick a good partner, because your children may be morally upright, but their souls are their souls going to be saved. That's where the dividing line will come. So now I've tried to preempt some of the questions we might have as regards this whole good and godly thing. So some people might say, okay, I've met somebody, but the person is saved, but the person is not just loud about this God thing. Like the person doesn't go to church, the person doesn't read their Bible, the person doesn't pray. Hmm. In such an instance, right, even though the person is saved, we've already defined what godliness means. 
In this context, godliness is not just being saved. It is being saved, submitting to the Lordship of Jesus and exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. So if the person is just saved, but you're not sure if Jesus is Lord for the person, or you can't see the person exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, or even doing things that regular believers do, my advice to you would be to have a conversation with the person. Try to know where they stand. Because when you are a Christian, you will act like a Christian. When you are saved and godly, you would your life would reflect it. And if you have issues or you have concerns, you cannot see some of those things, it's okay to take a pause and talk to the person. Ask questions. What do you believe about this? Why do you not go to church? Why do you not pray? Now, the thing is, maybe the person may be dealing with a church hurt or maybe something, maybe the person has a, well, there's nothing that is very logical, but maybe the person has a tangible reason and the person is willing to get past it. In such an instance, you guys can talk about it, maybe seek counsel and you know how to move. But what if you're talking to the person and you still cannot decipher? In such instances, if you have friends or mentors or people, believers that you trust, you can invite your partner or your prospective partner over and they can interview them and from that place, they can advise you that, oh, we've spoken to this person and, okay, this person seems like a believer. Or, no, we've spoken to this person and we don't really like what we heard. Please break up with that person. Let me give you an example. So, one of the one of the guys I dated, I brought him home and then he met my family. And by the time he, like, my family met him and everything, they started to raise some concerns and they were telling me, oh, no, I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure about that. And that helped me. That helped me know that, okay, this person might be a Christian, but in terms of godliness, perhaps it's lacking. And so, you get, I had to pump my brakes at that point. So, yeah, sometimes you might need people to point it out to you. Once you've seen concerns, please don't hesitate to pull people into your talking stage, your relationship, or whatever it is. You can't do relationships alone. You need to leverage on the power of community to ensure that you are not making a mistake. Now, another person may say, oh, what if the person is not a Christian, but is open to being a Christian? My advice is be cautious. You do not want to get entangled in missionary dating. Missionary dating is when you, when you date somebody because you believe you can change them or you can get them saved. You can't get anybody saved. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you might have a calendar. Okay, if we date for two years, by then the person will be saved. What if the person is not saved and the person is worse? So you must ensure that you give people the opportunity to find Jesus for themselves. You are called to be light, you are called to be salt, but you don't have to do it in a dating relationship. Point the person to Jesus, invite the person to church. And I would personally advise for that, for that time being, just forget the relationship. Allow the person grow. If you bring somebody into a relationship and you are responsible for the person's spiritual growth, is this something you want to keep doing every day? At some point, you will be tired. Of course, I know there are people that dated unbelievers and unbelievers got saved and, you know, they, are, they lived happily ever after. But the, those are exceptions. Do you want to base your life on exceptions or do you just want to do what you know is right or what, you, what, what, what we are telling you is right? So if the person is open to being a Christian, hand the person over to the right, to the right structures that would help them become a Christian and you just close your eyes. Who knows, in two years, in six months, in one year, God can bring you guys again together. Or God might bring you guys other people that are better for you. But don't date somebody for the sake of, oh, I'll make the person a Christian. That's the worst thing you can do to yourself. It's stressful, it's unnecessary, and I'm not even sure it's God's will for you. All right? All right. We have come to the end of this episode, but I'm just going to do a recap so you don't forget anything I've said. 
So I said that for the believer. It is good, right, to have a good partner, but that is not the standard. The standard is a godly partner. And we define a godly partner as someone who is saved, who submits to the Lordship of Jesus and exhibits the fruits of the Spirit. That is what you should be looking for in a partner. Why? For the sake of unity, for the sake of your future family, <laughs> to avoid conflict. Because who you are as a believer demands that you should be with somebody who subscribes to your faith. That is why you should pick godliness over goodness. Then we also talked about stuff like, um, what if the person is saved, but the person is not exhibiting the fruit of the spirit? Talk to somebody about it or talk to the person. Just try to ensure the person's motives, where the person is coming from, get into the person's head space before making a decision. What if the person is not a Christian, but the person is open to being a Christian? Please remove your slippers and run. <laughs> Avoid missionary dating. Hand over the person to the right people that will help them develop a relationship with God and take a back seat from that relationship unless God leads you guys to each other again. That's it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Big Sister Conversations. If you liked it, please rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Eniola underscore Adeko to keep up with me and to keep the conversation going. Until next time, remember that God loves you and I'm rooting for you.